Why, hello, dear listeners. My name is Ryan Mancini. I'm joined, as always, with Sebastian Shug. For this little snippet today for the radio race, we're talking a little bit about neighbors and what exactly it means to be a neighbor in this day and age and living within suburbia, any neighborhood, an apartment complex, or quite simply, what that means in terms of general safety, especially within Southern California. On many occasions, Sebastian and I have talked a lot about neighbors of my own who are very different characters. I I think like any kind of scenario in the world where it's like you have all these radical different personalities, you would never expect these three characters to live together. But that's just sort of what being a neighbor is, right? It's Mm. just sort of the whole hodgepodge of personalities and and. And, and climates coming together into one big, I would call it a melting pot, but it's more like a chamber pot almost because you can choose where you live, but you can't choose your neighbors, so to speak. Yeah. So it's going to be mixed in regardless, and it may not be favorable, but that's just sort of how, you know, how you deal with your neighbors is one thing, but mm. understanding who they are and why they act the way they do, I think that's quite another it certainly it certainly still is a nimbyism that you know the the whole idea of not in my backyard permeates in a way that again is is not all too dissimilar from the vigilantism of again the San Fernando Valley in the 80s and 90s that Davis talks about in the ecology of fear but it's reached a new threshold in that it's in a lot of ways it's very fueled by paranoia of problems and issues that are miles and miles away. All of this is very real and tangible. The question is, how much of it is people willing to let themselves fall for a real issue that has nothing to do with their area? Basically, how informed are these people on the areas they lived in? And of course, this breaks into a larger issue about local journalism, because if you're watching Fox News every day, you know, you're, are you reading L.A. Daily News? Are you reading the L.A. Times? There's a lot of questions there. And if the answer is no to all or most of those, then how do you know about your area at all? But I don't think being neighborly is essentially like justifying why you need to do so. They may think that it is. But if people happen to find issue with that, where does that fall? Are you going to be there to, to explain to them why they're wrong? Of course not, because you and I both know that it's a waste of time. I think in a lot of ways, it goes back to discussions we've had about the frontier myth, the whole idea of Americans being able to go west and take up territory, but also have a quote unquote safety valve where all of the frustrations of daily life can be let loose on anything and anyone, and it can be justified as part of safety or, oh, I had my Second Amendment rights, what have you. But the reality of it is, is no, this is, show, this is showing a very violent part of our national identity. The question is, is the safety valve so that you can have cameras in your neighborhood as well as think to yourself, why doesn't something happen here? And it's like, well, no, you should be thinking to yourself, we have this in place to protect ourselves and be aware and be informed not hope for something to happen. This piece was produced by Mars on Life as part of KCRW's 24-hour radio race. You're telling me 
Mm-hmm. There you went to the Skur Ball. Yes, I did. My God! Happy New Year! Why are you wishing me a Happy New Year? What? What's this? What, what, what wish? I thought men just go out and do. <laughs> All right, let's think of an intro. Uh, <laughs> that could be um, our intro. <laughs> Currently, day 17 of November. We have made it approximately f- two weeks and three days. It's tough, you know, us us in the trenches. It's a proverbial no man's land. But what's the most ironic and perhaps the most counterintuitive about this whole month is that I've spent the better half of 17 days, including this next hour or hour and a half, Completely dedicated to proportion drawings. That includes porn. Actually, that's about 99% of what I'm doing. Um, For practice, you ask? For practice, I'll say. (laughs) You know, when I'm not drawing for the the Proclaimer SCV, I I spend (laughs) a good of my time just being... being completely degenerate. And uh, we'll just leave it at that. So welcome back to Mars on Life. (laughs) <laughs> yes uh anyway um if you haven't heard the dog in the background already seems as though you're you're recording from an undisclosed location indeed i am yes mm. uh the the tables have turned in that i am not in my typical location i'm not recording from uh the santa Clarita valley i'm actually recording much much closer to uh, the city of angels itself, and I have a dog around me at at the current time. So as long as I'm talking, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a dog barking. And as long as I'm silent, Sebastian's going to sound uh, just as immaculate as the angels down here in the city of angels. So uh, just just as immaculate. Hold on, I need to check for heroin scars. Uh, no, don't have any. Um, okay. I mean, we are created in God's image, right? But I, Hmm. Uh, speaking of that, though, <laughs> I know. Great segue. It's come to our attention, and I'm saying this in probably the most cordial way possible, because while it didn't, it did turn our heads. It, it's it's so jovial that I can't ignore it and I can't help but commentate on it. And I can't really be mad at it at this point. Santa Clarita's own Stephen Hill. Uh, Steve Hill, I'm sorry, uh, better known under the moniker of Satan for Congress, has uh, been extensively interactive with the SCV, with the Proclaimer SCV's illustration posts. Now, as I stated before, I am the primary illustrator. It's not to toot my own horn or whatever. Uh, It's just to sort of give a background of this story. But he's been very energetically responsive on some of our most recent posts and i really have Mm. to just you know unabashedly tip my hat and say thank you it's just something that i wanted to get off my chest real quick because it's uh you know i think regarding like audience retention it kind of fluctuates here and there right Mm. 
But this has just been a, I almost want to say like dedicated fan at this point (laughs) 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 regarding sort of our making fun of politics. And, you know, the the politics that we make fun of on here, it's it's a different medium, obviously. It's it's audio. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think political cartoons more or less withstand the test of time because it's in an actual format that people can look back on. You know, who's going to sift through this hour, sift through this hour and a half dialogue, potentially less, potentially more. I don't know, but I feel like the retention rate is, is greater on these comics. And that's really all I wanted to say is just thank you and um, hope to hope to bring more individuals into the mix. <laughs> you have some choice characters out there in the desert. You know, you and I have talked about it numerous times, and I've had other individuals that I know that, and that you know as well, talk to me about the cartoons that you've done and the how these cartoons will be received by folks in SCV. Because ultimately, we are in a very interesting political bubble as well as just an interesting media bubble. So, you know, when it comes down Mm -hmm. to people and the news that they consume as well as their how they inform themselves on their beliefs on their knowledge about what's going on in government right now whether it's about uh biden's build back better bill that got passed um whether it's about you know all the hubbub in regards to uh kamala harris and pete Buttigieg, and basically like well one of them might be the nominee in a few years uh, if Biden chooses not to run again, like a lot of that stuff does get channeled through, but anything local really is left to very few folks working in the area. Like, uh, you know, the signal, my publication, the proclaimer, the local radio station, et cetera. And so, you know, how exactly all that information kind of blends over and how much of that kind of stays with people when they're paying more attention to other things, whether it's on MSNBC or Fox News. Um, It's always interesting when something can break through and people see it. And your last two cartoons have definitely been something that have caught attention out here. Well, I say out here. I'm I'm not I'm not there. I'm. I'm I'm somewhere else. I was, try- I was trying to not do my Schwarzenegger from Total Recall and be like, no, you, I, I get you, it. You and me. Uh, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's it's always interesting whenever we do get feedback that and even uh, somebody who was previously on the show uh, last season, Shawnee Badger, she was uh, I was showing her the cartoons because her and I were on a call the other day and she got a kick out of them. So, you know, she basically was like. Sebastian, I miss you. Keep doing what you're doing, and Aww. I love what you're doing. So it's, you know, if you can get feedback like that, yeah, and especially with what you're it, doing, it's gold. I think that's what's really most important regarding like creativity in general. Yeah. <laughs> as long as there's like an audience, you know, and and it's sort of, it sort of kind of falls into play with that like inquiry that I had last time when it was like, okay. As an artist, you're going to experiment a lot. And with me, it's definitely been like a lot of proportion practice. And I guess Mm -hmm. as an extension, anything Rule 34 related. And I will say, despite sort of the controversial nature of like adult content, it has been giving me the the practice that 
I've more or less wanted for about eight years. And it's been condensed into this, into these past 17 days. And, you know, my quarrel or qualm with that was sort of the whole like, well, this is kind of not controversial, but it's not something that, you know, audiences are just going to be okay with seeing you. Mm-hmm. You look for porn. Okay. Like <laughs> you actively search for it. So yeah. my, my quarrel or qualm or whatever was how do I establish an audience with that, with content that isn't safe for work, mm-hmm. you know, with what I do on the proclaimer. I mean, that's stuff that's, that's out in the open. People can see it. People can, you know, judge their own opinions from it, but it's like, you know, you often find a lot of artists on Twitter, for example, or maybe Tumblr, uh, not Tumblr anymore because they purged their adult content, but primarily on Twitter or other subscription-based services that offer platforms for you to post it. And it's just like, man, for, for doing content for so long that you're used to a general audience seeing, how do you make the transition into content that really it's only made for a set audience? Uh, mm-hmm. TMDR, yeah. how do I make porn and still have an audience for it, right? Or how do right. I expand into something like Rule 34 or, or into adult content? I'm calling it a lot of different names, but it, it's the same umbrella. Uh, how do I do that and then still have still have audience retention, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess how do I make that sort of not controversial would be another one. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. actively drawing anything illegal but it's one of those things where you you do something for so long where you try to experiment with anything else different and it's like it turns heads you know right like it probably doesn't help that i my initial debut in illustration was with children's books and now i'm taking mm. everything that i've learned you know to to try to expand my 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 practice my my illustration abilities um, I guess that's what's been on my mind lately. But uh, going back to Shawnee's comment, uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, we miss you too, and hopefully we can have another episode sometime. And we've had discussions about this as well, that when it comes down to having cartoons that everybody will get or having cartoons that ring true with whatever... You know, whether if you can narrow it down to either a particular uh, portion of the readership or if you can widen it to something that everybody's going to get, then, you know, there there is an easy balancing act there. The problem, though, is, you know, whether or not you're going to have enough people that are adept enough and especially people that depending on how old they are. And especially depending on what social media they use, you just never know what the response is going to be like. I think we had a, there was a cartoon not too long ago about Gavin Newsom. Uh, it was I think it was like several months ago about Gavin Newsom, and it was when vaccines were beginning to be available in California. And given the fact that you know I, I do live in Santa Clarita Valley is predominantly despite the fact that it's known for its conservative residents, it has a majority of Democratic voters. I don't know how much of the irony made it through to, you know, Democratic viewers. Um, 
but if it's something that boils down to like the local city council race, especially when people recognize who, you know, recognizing Gavin Newsom, he's already a sacred cow that anybody can make fun of. But when you can narrow it down to real people in a community, and especially people that you and I have encountered over the years um, running for office, yeah, people are going to see that and think, oh, I see what they're doing. Huh. Mm-hmm. They're they're gonna point at it and and laugh and think you know oh I see I see I see who they're making fun of, so it just kind of depends at times too. And again, the fact that the last ones that you've made have been as uh, I guess we could say poignant in terms of of who who and what the subject matter is. It's one of those things where you're thinking to yourself, there's really no wiggle room here. Like. Yeah. Give it a look. Give it a look see, people. It it know? represents what it represents. You know, you want to infer anything else from there by all means. Uh I know we've had sort of like a choice uh, like like choice instances where certain certain material was sort of left on the back burner because it's it's something that oh, not a lot of people would get or the message wouldn't ring true. And that's sort of my mm-hmm. You know, I guess another qualm with it is that, you know, it's not supposed to it's supposed to make sense in a general audience. Right. Yeah. Though I think regarding like political and illustration esque satire, it's sort of like, you know, if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And you're you sort of have to be okay with like accepting the fact that it's just going to go over a bunch of people's heads because the people that do get it end up mattering the most you know like and i hate to gatekeep but i'm going to gatekeep because it's funny (laughs) in the group that knows the context you know uh but anyway uh i don't know that's just kind of how i viewed it and it's like well you you can't please everybody so you may as well not even try to it may have been last week it may have been two weeks ago but i was going to randomly bring this up in a future episode so remember a while back when intro an episode asking about my uh, sort of ancestry and various whatever nationalities that kind of make up my family tree. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I made the comment about, uh, I think I have something in the Middle East. So apparently I have Ancestry.com up on my laptop computer. <laughs> And I have a 1% ethnicity estimate that can range from 0 to 3%, primarily located in Israel slash Palestine, Jordan, Lebanon, Syrian, Arab Republic. So So you're entitled to $400,000 is what I'm hearing? I I mean, hell... I basically could be, I could have a little bit of Iraqi in me. The only problem is, it's like, I don't think anybody else in my family has this. So the fact that I have it really doesn't compute. Um, hmm. So it's, you know, and obviously like Ancestry.com, I would not call it an exact science because I know we've got, like when it comes to our Italian ancestry, like, the majority of us have it, but my sister doesn't. And it's like, well, wait a minute. You're not adopted. so, And you know my sister. She's not adopted. So it's like, okay, right. now you should have the, the northern Italian as well. 
So, but uh, no, I, I just wanted to, to share that and throw that little nugget of odd information out there. Interesting. Um, yeah, it, it's it's very enlightening and interesting. And plus, like, just looking at the map altogether, you're kind of like, yeah, I'm pretty much everything except French, Spanish, and Portuguese, and Greek. Uh, so, and nothing from Norway or Finland. Oh, that's a bummer. No Finland. Um, it's, it's such a bummer. How how will you sleep such, at night? I know it's all, all, all those. What are they Finnish? I guess what? Finnish? No, no, no. We just started. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, if you want to end the episode here, I'm I'm game. You know. Just... Oh my god! Welcome to Dad Jokes on Life. Uh, no. <laughs> and then something else I was going to bring up too. Uh, there, was, there was a couple other things that I thought were noteworthy uh, discussions we've had in the last week off air mm-hmm. that I wanted to pick back up on. Um, I don't know. I guess. Do you want to continue the book discussion or the KCRW discussion? You're still on it, my friend. Well, uh, I guess we'll go into recent events. Um, yeah, I. <laughs> it's not that I wouldn't want to put a lid on to put a lid on the book discussion because mm-hmm. I know that that's our bread and butter. Um, but I got to be honest, there's only so much time I could spend talking about <laughs> certain books. <laughs> I just got off work, so the 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 thesis regurgitating element within me has pretty much run its course after a day of eight hours of straight customer service. Oh Lord. Yeah, yeah. They're they're training me now. They have me at like the window. I'm not. Hmm. I'm not doing fast food. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to take a break when I can. <laughs> well, it's. I'll put it this way. I'll, I'll kind of do as brief of a summation because uh, I've certainly been been known to bring up books and reading, and I do plan on going on a bit of a book ban just because book I need ban. To, oh no that's interesting okay when you talk about part, that what's what what has you what ails you well i think i'll put it this way i've i've been in a situation for almost 10 years where you know i before before i hit high school you know i was an avid avid reader I still am, obviously, but like to the point where I was reading multiple books like at once. Uh, I was reading stuff that was kind of related to the kinds of movies and and content that I was really obsessed with at a young age, whether it was the aforementioned Indian in the Cupboard or hell, um, you know, books based on stuff in Star Wars or. I think I even read something that was like Pirates of the Caribbean related at one point at a young age. Um, and then whatever else, like this great book called Code Talkers about, surprise, surprise, the Navajo Code Talkers, uh, holes, stuff like that. And then as the years went on and I reached, I think, my sophomore year of high school, it, it became this situation where myself and everybody else, we were all just so exhausted with everything that the idea of going back to little hobbies of ours 
prior to that year. And it was, you know, not even just speaking for myself, there was a lot of us that a lot of like little things that we all would enjoy doing. We just never had the time to do it because we had so much more work that year. uh, So much more homework, more tests, more everything. We had one extra class that year. Like it was, it was brutal. And even just the pleasure of reading totally went away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I kind of slowly crept back into it the year after because I was free and I had more time and I could like refresh my head and rather refresh my brain and just kind of relax and, and, you know, pleasure read. But it really wasn't until senior year that I felt like, okay, I'm on the verge of graduating. And frankly, I feel like there is so much stuff that I still don't know enough about or want to know more about. And I'm thinking to myself, well, damn it. You know, I'm going to start, you know, exploring things and learning more about anything from, you know, obviously this was around the time I started really getting into politics. I had kind of a change in philosophy, shall we say, when it comes to religion. And, you know, around that same time period, I was starting to get interested in more so in like things like astronomy and even physics. And, you know, it pretty much took me on this path that I've been on of just being a voracious reader, picking up whatever I could, reading as much as I can. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it's been very to borrow the title of our first episode, it's been eclectic in in some ways and in other ways it's been kind of formulaic. And at this point I'm, I'm kind of just at a, at a point where after, you know, dealing with the pandemic and just kind of the, the funk, the, the mind palace uh, of just dealing with, or rather more like the mind prison of just dealing with life in general and, you know, trying to figure out what those next steps are going to be coming out of COVID, even though it's endemic, it's not like we're leaving. It's not like it's going to be part of our past. It's still here. It's just kind of the idea of, you know, I want to reread stuff and just kind of give my, my brain a little bit of a break, not feel the need to be, to put that much pressure on myself. And plus, you know, something else that I think I brought up with you about like what I'm reading right now and you know the few things I'm going to read in the future and again like it's not like I'm going to quit reading altogether it's more like I'm just going to stop picking up shit as much as I do and right. reading as much as I as as much as I can that I find um as much new stuff as I can find uh a part of it too is you know and this was advice I got a long time ago is you know, a part of obviously being a good writer is also being a good reader. And you want you want to go from a point of reading the kinds of things that you want to or reading the kinds of things that are going to just kind of make you feel good or make you re- make yourself read from folks that make you think, why do I bother? You know, and read from folks that you're thinking to yourself, OK, why is this why is this any good? And in my case, it's as of late, it's been checking out um, Seymour Hirsch, the the great uh, Pulitzer Prize winning investigative reporter, his memoir. Um, I even recently picked up a copy of a book from one of his mentors who is also, you know, a known journalist of the last century. And again, 
it has more to do as well with the idea of, boy, I really feel like there was all this stuff that I could have been taught in school that I just wasn't, that feels way more necessary and important for somebody like me and the kind of work I want to pursue. And this even extends into college life because, yes, there's the basic education you get of working in a newsroom, learning how to be a good reporter, learning how to interview people. But there's also so much about, like, the history of the field outside of the basics of, you know, oh, Woodward and Bernstein and, you know, Upton Sinclair wrote The Jungle and all of this stuff that gets propped up. And yet there's also other layers to it that is arguably better and arguably far, far more insightful and also maybe a roadmap to the times that we live in now. There's just not enough of an emphasis on going back to the history of the profession and saying, learn about why Thomas Paine is important to journalism or Seymour Hirsch or I.F. Stone or Arthur Kessler or Albert Camus. You know, there's so many people that, you know, and that, that just those names alone, that's obviously just snowflakes on the top of the iceberg. Um, Snowflakes on the tip of the iceberg, I should say. And you know, it's it's also just the idea of like, OK, I want to keep challenging myself, but also I'm at that point where I, I, I just kind of want to flex a little bit, you know, just kind of stretch myself out and not feel bombarded in any way. It's normal. I mean, you know, people that are big readers and obsessed with books and, you know, they collect like a book ban is is totally normal. So gives me time to think about other things and, you know, put my attention elsewhere rather than thinking, you know, oh, should I get that guy's book next? Oh, I don't know. You know, so it's just a little character trait that probably says too much about me. But, hey, you know what, listeners, you you bought the ticket, you're taking the ride. Um, Yeah, I I know that was kind of a long-winded answer, but I'm sure you wouldn't expect anything else. Uh, I was going to say, no, I I didn't, Um, you know. when you say something about a book banning and then go on go on a full frontal assault about why essentially we should be not book banning and expanding our horizons it i i just kind of let you take the ball and run with it obviously it's not something that we want to be sedentary in when it comes to information gathering you know Mm -hmm. i a little of kiosk uh they call it sort of like a a communal library and you could rent and or keep books out of there and you know there's no law against taking them out or putting them in you know you can keep them forever and there's often books in there that you know are books that are in such a random array that it would be no different than if you were to just go to a thrift store and go book hunting and i think that's just sort of the joy about it yeah you know, here's how to strain pasta in 10 different languages with uh, the Kama Sutra now available in pop-up format. So <laughs> I don't know. It's just I personally I look at it as just sort of like a treasure hunt when it comes to finding a new book or, or something yeah, interesting yeah. to read or, you know, just something that catches my eye. Because more often than not, the, the books that I find are either taught to me in class or mm. they're found on the street. 
and I I'm saying this with no level of um, exaggeration because people throw out books all the time. It, it's it's not uncommon to just find I don't know anything Mark Twain has done or or Ayn Rand or John Steinbeck or you know it's whatever. I've I've certainly gotten a kick out of the the, the treasure hunting element to it. Um, and I think too, you know, for me personally, it's, it's anything that can either educate me on something in my vicinity. Like, you know, last year we talked a little bit about stealing home. I've talked about city of courts, uh, or if it's something like, I don't know, books focused on people in history, you know, like I always kind of fall back too on a different bit of, of not, not so much advice, but also just a, a feeling across time of like, yeah, I, I know how that guy feels is uh, I think I mentioned him last week too, Henry Adams, who was a journalist in the late 19th century uh, descend John and John Quincy Adams. He wrote his autobiography and, and, and called it, um, of course, he wrote his autobiography, but he, he called it um, the education of Henry Adams. And the reason for that was because he had the exact same kind of feeling that I had, you know, when I was getting out of high school. But really, it was it was just this feeling of like, well, you know, little things like the nuances of politics or tragedy in our nation's history or even just the simplest things just why things happen and are they documented and you know do they tell a compelling story like yeah sure i'm gonna find i want to find out more and i you know i think too like everybody i think everybody should certainly be like that i, I do think they should be far more inquisitive and far more skeptical especially skeptical and not take things for face value and do the homework and do their reading and be as, as versed as they can. But, you know, I, I think for me, at least, just, you know, for speaking for myself, I think it's just a matter of, you know, taking a breather. You know, it's not like I'm going to not be collecting ever again. It's just kind of a, a moment to think about, okay, so, uh, now, now that I've gone through as much as I feel like I need to, do I want to? Do I want to dip back into Carl Sagan, you know, or, or like something goofy, like you know, if or Richard Feynman or Jerry Seinfeld, you know? So, um, but hey, don't worry, I'll still have book recommendations for the foreseeable future. So oh, you're not going to hear me. Yeah, yeah. No, I know you will. So finally, uh, or actually, I shouldn't even say finally because there was a, another other topic i was going to mention too uh are you getting your booster dose anytime soon uh so you can chastise me for it or so that we have something to talk about <laughs> and i'm saying i'm saying this seriously because to tell you the truth i have not thought about it because my work schedule is eight to four excluding mm. weekends um I, I guess that could go on saturday if they have anything open but uh yeah Truthfully, it's not something that I've relatively thought about because because of my government gig, I'm going to have to get another shot anyway when I end up going. So okay. whether or not they're going to mandate it when I get there or I'm going to have to show them identification, it's going to be mm -hmm. taken care of regardless. So 
that's just kind of okay. been my thing about it. Well, I, I, I simply ask it just because I wanted to briefly mention uh, the fact that at least in where we live in L.A. County, uh, you know, the, the whole eligibility thing is pretty much out the window. And Oh, yeah. No. Yeah, I know that. Which, mind you, like, and then this was news, like, right in between uh, recording last week's show and then the episode going up on Anchor and everywhere else. Uh, people are hopefully listening to this show. Uh, you know, it, it was just interesting reading about it in the times and then realizing, Oh, cool. I can like schedule my appointment now. Um, so I'll be getting that on Friday. So fingers crossed. Um, hopefully I don't have any of the same symptoms as I had before. Supposedly because uh, Moderna booster is like a half dose. Theoretically, there shouldn't be any of the same symptoms, any of the same flu like symptoms as there was with the proper second dose. So we shall see. And um, yeah, uh, other than that, the radio race, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? Was it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. No, we uh, admittedly, the topic kind of caught us off guard. Um, I will say that I think we made it work regarding content as well as structure. So, so to listeners wondering what the hell the radio race was, uh, we received a prompt. Well, first of all, first off, we registered to be part of KCRW's, uh, I think it was the ninth annual 24 hour radio race. And of course, KCRW is a local radio station in Los Angeles in so in SoCal. And, the prompt we were given was to talk about, well, simply put, the prompt was, will you be my neighbor? And we kind of we kind of went in a little bit more of a cerebral direction in a way. You know, it was less of a it wasn't so much of a news story as it was almost just more of a discussion with what we thought and, you know, a little sprinkling of, you know, what we know in terms of like. I talked about the frontier myth and touched a little bit on Mike Davis's ecology of fear once again. And essentially we just kind of talked about what we've pretty much talked at length on this show about in terms of uh, people that are our neighbors and their whole obsession with security and safety and wanting to be as, as prepared as they can be for any kind of threat that comes to a street or neighborhood, but also that, kind of frightening notion that they're so worried about security that they want something to happen just so that they can prove their metal. Um, <laughs> and we, we basically just talked and talked and then we had to cut that down into four minutes, which admittedly at first wasn't easy. Um, <laughs> we both made a lot of great points, but you know, I, I, I was getting a lot of great advice uh, and you know, off air after we were done uh, talking on Skype and after we were done recording about what what to kind of how to, you know, how to think about in terms of just compacting this as tightly as possible. And, you know, regardless of what the results are, I think we made it work. I mean, if anything, too, it it definitely made us kind of. Again, just crystallize what we've talked about before uh, in terms of 
uh, everything from, you know, I think we touched on the citizen app, we touched on security cameras, uh, the yeah. likes of which much of my, many of my neighbors have. Um, <laughs> and again, well, you don't like, well, you don't like raving vigilantism and lunacism. I mean, Batman is my favorite comic book hero. So like I, this should be up my alley, but yeah, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, but like, but as it's as it's our Chad's, as it's our Sigma male's civic duty to uh, berate consumers, uh, I'm gonna have to say, life ain't a comic book, friend. Uh, you know, life ain't nothing but a comedy. Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> until it isn't. <laughs> until it's just people being dumb. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, 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 I kid, of course, because I think people do. Take it too far to a degree, and fortunately, I don't think there's anything we can really do about it because it's just not within our. I, I want to say not within our jurisdiction, but it's not really within our place to do so either. Because really, what is one neighbor's opinion who most likely shares some sort of common ground to go up to another neighbor and be like, Hey, you're, uh, <laughs> your blackout shades and 12 gauges are really kind of scaring me, dude. You know, what's <laughs> like, what's the response going to be? Well, well, Ryan, you lived in this neighborhood for upwards of X amount of years and now you're having a problem. So it's like, what kind of dialogue is that going to spur? <laughs> yeah. Well, it you know it it all dials back down to something that we did talk about, which is how informed are these people about their communities? Because again, if you're somebody that is watching cable news, and it, it really doesn't matter which channel, I, I'm I, you know I'm just going to be upfront with it. Yeah, Fox News, it's going to get people riled up into becoming a doomsday prepper. But even if somebody is watching something like MSNBC there is that concern that somebody is going to become so cultish. And trust me, it's something I see within my own community about a particular candidate or just about the whole belief and the whole notion that, you know, there's this level of extremism in the area. And, and admittedly, yeah, there is. The problem is with what it is being met with, I'll put it to you this way, it definitely ain't Antifa and it definitely ain't something that, you know, if the other side is looking at the opposition as a threat, it, it's really misguided all across the board. Like, it's really just a bunch of people playing Star Wars with each other and saying, well, you're the fascist stormtroopers. Well, you're the socialist rebellion. Uh, and you're just kind of like, oh, my God, everybody, we're all in our pajamas. <laughs> you know? This is this is a game like this isn't real life and everyone's taken it so seriously. And again, if they're fueled by what they see on cable news and they're not just going by what is locally being said objectively, mm -hmm. then they're going to look at their area and think, you know, it's going to be a battlefield and, you know, the the gangs will come and will there will be an invasion. And it's like, no. You're living in one of the top 10 safest cities in the whole country. Shut up. What? They don't know that. They don't know that. And the irony, the irony, the biggest irony of it all is the fact that their own law enforcement, which half the people don't trust, I don't blame them, and mm -hmm. the city government, which again, half the people won't trust, 
and again, I don't blame them, are essentially telling them you are so safe it is not even funny. Right. It's only, I mean, yeah, bad things are going to happen. Yes, there's going to be a car accident. Yes, there's going to be, you know, no, unfortunately. They want, they want conflict. Because really, I think when you get yeah. to a certain age, you sort of stop expecting things to go wrong. You spend your whole life trying to get to some semblance of security only to get there and realize, shit, lack of security is actually kind of invigorating when you get down to it. Because what is stress? Uh, what is a situation that is sort of dire, but not something that is like cataclysmic? It's a mm -hmm. problem. And at the end of the day, right. people want to solve problems. So if you end up getting in a circumstance where it's just like, oh, well, what problems do, do I have? I own land. I own this house. I own my car. Everything's appreciating an interest. My kids are off to college. My wife cue marital issues i guess i feel like that's just sort of a staple for like boomers but if that's not your main concern if it's basically just a matter of like oh wife bad technology bad you know like boomer mentality if you're that ignorant at the world what problems do you have mm -hmm. if all your needs are met so of course you're going to want to cause problems what else are you doing with your day from what I've personally seen, and especially, again, using my neighborhood as an example, it, it really is more like people are fed on these fears that have nothing to do with the neighborhood. And so they start thinking to themselves, wait a minute, we're not safe. And so it becomes this idea of what am I going to do to make sure we are safe? And does this mean at some point I get to lash out at somebody, whether it's a neighbor or you know, MS-13 uh, sneaking up and, and yanking the plants out of my front yard, you know, like some crazy nonsense like that. And it reaches the point where you're thinking to yourself, okay, you just watch too many talking rubber masks on TV talk about how dangerous things are. And so therefore you're applying it to an area where the danger just isn't tangible and yeah, but but you try telling them that when they've already spent a life building themselves up to that point, only to then ironically not have any payoff. Exactly. They made themselves so safe. And that was what they were going for, because everyone who's caught in that situation, maybe their early 20s, possibly, well, definitely early 20s, but maybe even ranging up to early 30s of uncertainty. You get your life together. You spend all your time, you spend your whole life getting your ducks in a row and then complain at the fact that they're in a row. And then you just have nothing else to do. Well, it's you're right. Like, it, but it's also it's the idea that I am so safe. But I'm still not safe enough because that danger is still out there. And it's like, yeah, but who's going to solve it? You. Right. Nobody? Exactly. Like, who, no? how is it going to be solved? I mean, at the end of the day. You know, let's face it, we're we're a good three decades past the end of the Cold War. But despite that, we're still basically we civilians are still basically a bunch of ununiformed soldiers at the forefront of whatever nuclear catastrophe that could be ahead of us. You know, God forbid it isn't. But it wasn't by our choice. And it will always be there as long as we have such weapons 
in the capacity of all governments of the world that have access to them. And the irony is just the fact that, oh, that's like a genuine, real existential threat. But for people that have already lived with that their whole lives, it's become it's nothing because it's like, oh, it doesn't even register. But, oh, this other issue of all these, you know, of people coming up to our country. Oh, that's the real crisis. That's the real nightmare scenario that we're never going to be safe from. And you're just like, OK, so now you're just chasing after ghosts. You're 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 concerned about an issue that, again, Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity said it is a problem. So therefore it is. And no matter how many cameras I put up, no matter how many lights I have on my front porch eating up my electrical bill, uh, you know, no matter what, we're we're still at great risk and we're all in danger. And this safe street that's had nothing happen on it for over 20 years. Oh, something's going right. to happen. It's like, oh, my God, you know, and, and obviously some of this is people we've talked about on the show where you're it's being rational and even just trying to assure them like you do realize if it does happen, it is really that random. And plus the fact that like where I live is so off to the side that like you would have to be seeking it out. <laughs> you you really would have to be trying. Like I, I there's no other way to put it. Like it, unless and granted it, when these people think that every bad person on the planet is a scheming James Bond villain, of course they're thinking to themselves, "Oh, my hole in the ground is really under threat even though nobody can find it and you're just like oh my god you're you're about as much of a scary cat as that prehistoric reptile hiding from the seal of physis in the first episode of walking with dinosaurs my god man you know it almost <laughs> makes me wonder if rather than re-education in in mm -hmm. some of the in in this in this demographics eyes why don't we like double down and like instill more fear in them even though there's no fear present, because if they're not getting the hint, why not just like play their game and give them something to fear? And have well, it be totally mm -hmm. like. I, I don't know, like because <laughs> I, I don't know, I just have this opinion. I just have this idea where it's just like, why should we even give them the time of day if they're just going to be so so mutton-headed and so just unapologetically this way mm. that like like you know what i mean yeah well i i think the danger in it because I, I don't get me wrong like there is that part of me that just thinks what what if we just kind of like ever so slightly scared excuse me what if we ever just so slightly scared people like that and and just pulled a major look but yeah i, I don't know to me it, I, to me it isn't worth it just because I, I think there's two depending on the individual and you know if it was something on my street i know that depending on a particular individual you'd have nothing to worry about in terms of like retaliation and i don't mean legal i mean like you pull a prank and all of a sudden you're full of buckshot uh, like well, that i think that's tell thinking, me co-parter <laughs> it, well it's I, I i think for me it's it's because again i mean hell even on my own street like there is that element of hey wait a minute you shouldn't be parked there and you're like who the hell are you 
been living here 20 years. What do you mean I shouldn't park here? It's there's no there's no paid parking. There's no private parking. What, what do you mean? You know, and, and granted, this is where you start getting into the, the realm of fantasy with these people where they're thinking to themselves, hey, the reason why my my green can is so full is because your gardeners are filling it up and you're like, how your gardeners come on Thursday, mine come Saturday. What are you talking about? You know, it, it you start going in circles because you're realizing, again, you're talking to people that don't have all of their faculties in order. So at the end of the day, well, well, really... or or they do have all their faculties in order, but it's just like minute details that they feel the need to complain about. Right. Yeah, well, and sometimes they'll fill it in with just outright conspiracy theories. But then when you come up to them with an actual that's explainer. No, dude, see, you got to double down on the conspiracy theories. You got to be like, oh, yeah, I found out something better. Because at the end of the day, if you have someone who is just unapologetically like that, mm-hmm. the point isn't to to help them see things from your side, even though ideally that's what anyone should be doing in their right mind is to expand their mind if they're far past the point of no return you got to be like oh you still believe in that conspiracy theory yeah you want to talk about flat earth we live on a cube and here's why (laughs) and watch them fall apart i'm dead serious yeah you know you can't beat them it's like you can't beat them join them dude i say (laughs) i say join them even more (laughs) you know obviously you know what's right and what's wrong there's nothing deterring you from coming to your own logical conclusion and i hate to break i hate to be the uh hate to be the bearer of i suppose bad news for them good news for you but in terms of time on your side you're winning that war okay right so you know (laughs) i think you're fine yeah, well, and I think, at the, too, at the end of the day, you and I are the ones who this world is being left to in whatever <laughs> god awful or potentially good state it is in, you know, that's up to us. And well, and I think as well that, you know, the 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 concept of memory, I think, is the biggest casualty in all this simply because, you know, if 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 you don't have people that are informed enough to speak anything coherent about not only the safety of the, their area, but they also don't go out and pursue what, you know, oh, Santa Clarita, oh, it's dangerous. Oh, oh there's, there's hordes of people coming. Oh. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, so I want you to go to the sheriff's page, go to the local news, and mine – as much information that's out there that basically disproves everything you're thinking about. And the problem with that, the problem with that is that number one, there is so much information out there that again, you really have to be somebody sharp enough to really contextualize it into something that basically proves the point that it's safe. But again, it doesn't even always matter because once you have that one news story that talks about a sexual assault or, you know, a fatal car collision or God forbid, even worse, a wildfire, 
you pump enough of that information out there and people read all that, they're thinking to themselves, oh, my Lanta, Santa Clarita is the most dangerous place since Mustafar, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And you're thinking, wait a minute, no, it isn't. It's the same problems that every other local town and city has. I mean, yeah, but you know what? So, you know that, and that should be enough. Right, well, I know that, but... You know, like, it's, it's sad that people aren't going to pick up on that fact. And at mm -hmm. that point, I'm not saying, like, commit elder abuse and, like, make fun... You know, you can make fun of them. Don't don't physically assault these people. But what, I'm, but what I am saying is that, you know, they want to live in their own little world. Humor them. <laughs> yeah. What are they going to do? Take, take well, you know, take a stand and be like, oh, well, you know, that's wrong. Well, okay. So it's either A, they come to their senses and try to disprove your doubling down. And then there you go. You've essentially achieved that same result. Or B, they live their lives thinking that they're right. And I guess you only know the difference. Regardless what my profession is, I know not everyone's going to agree with me. And you know what? That's fine. I really don't care. I, I brought it up when we did the recording for the radio race where, which sadly didn't make it into the, um, into uh, the four minutes, but I made the comment about one particular news story that I had worked on involving a decomposing body found not that far away from my street. And I got back home that day. I talked with two of my neighbors that were outside talking about it, wondering what, what it was all about. I gave them the 411 and one neighbor who I'm I'm on pretty good, pretty great terms with, really, he was just captivated by the whole story. But that's also was because he, he's somebody. Okay. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask this. Was yeah, he captivated? And I guess was your interaction with him decent because you were the one telling it and you felt as if you were fulfilling what you studied so hard in your undergraduate to do? Or because he was getting the information from someone like you, i.e. there is hope for the next generation. So was it more of a self-fulfillment need or was it more of a communal fulfillment need? And you could be for selfish, honestly. You know, <laughs> it, it feels good to be the right person in the room. Um, but I just wanted to know. They're getting it from somebody that they know personally and somebody that because let's face like these two neighbors these are people these are guys that have lived in scv for less time than i have so to that extent they're talking to somebody who's a little bit more of an authority figure and at that time i was working with the established newspaper of the area so if anything they were getting it not only from a professional source but a personal source and i mean for me personally it, it didn't really matter because i I was totally fine with letting them know and keeping them up to speed just because that's who I am. I could talk to just about anybody. But if anything, the, the real lesson I got was just, again, their reactions. Because the one guy that I'm, that I'm pals with, he, again, he ate it up. I mean, this guy and I have conversations about, like, movies and TV shows and we're always informing each other whenever we get a chance to see each other outside. We're always informing each other on stuff and it's always just, it's, it's fun. You know, the other gentleman, however, is incredibly paranoid so much so that he's got extra cameras outside his house. And 
when I finished explaining what I knew, but the other gentleman didn't have any questions for me. The guy I'm pals with did. The paranoid guy had nothing to be like, well, why did this happen? Who was this? What was that? Nothing. He basically just listened the entire time. And at the end of it, almost snapped and acted like, you know, as if this body that was discovered was a homicide victim. And basically he was under the impression that, you know, gangs or something dangerous was within our vicinity and we had to keep extra an extra close eye and extra watch. And I repeated to him, no, as of right now, there's no foul play in the mix. And as far as it looks, this was just a tragedy. This wasn't anything sinister. But I again, knowing this guy and knowing how paranoid he is, this is also somebody who, you know, is very concerned about his wealth and shows off his Porsches like you wouldn't believe. He shows it off to the whole neighborhood and he's got to rev them up so everybody can, you know, get verklempt over his engine running. It really, if anything, it was just kind of a lesson for me in how, you know, no matter how authoritative and no matter how much you're like, no, it don't worry, you're you're safe, you're fine, we're living in a safe area. Again, somebody's got to really look to find where we are and cause mayhem. And I know that there's not going to be any convincing. And you know what? If you don't want to be convinced of that, then fine. I can just tell you what I know. Be an authority figure, and if you're still not going to listen, well, then close the blinds, hide in the closet, and get your radio out. I I'm going to keep living life and, you know, let the sun shine. So That's all you can um, do. Yeah. And yeah. again, I also know that, like, I'm not living in an area that's risky because I've grown up there. I know the area very, very well, and... I don't live in the area where crazy stuff happens either, you know? So if I was living, if I was living in a much more hostile area, especially if I was like near a freeway or a train and for all the listeners that hear me talking about a train in Santa Clarita, you know, which street I'm talking about. Um, you know, it ends with way, uh, not that way, way with a W it's kind of like, then you, then you get it. But also, those people that live in that area get it well enough to where they're a little bit more guarded. Whereas people in my neck of the woods, it's just pearl clutching, you know, but I also still think too, going back to what I had said in those four minutes that it's got to do, I think with an element of the whole frontier myth, you live on the outer edges of society, like my neck of the woods, or at the very least the outer edges of, you know, straight laced towns and cities and the nearest area is basically nothing but wilderness, then, yeah, you're going to be thinking to yourself, oh, something could come and it could be a bear or a mountain lion or, you know, some unidentified stranger. And it, it, the whole idea of, oh, I need to arm myself and protect myself, it, it really, it, it, it just adds to the whole alienation that we've all been experiencing for, for God knows how many years at this point that has everyone on edge and has everybody wanting to go out and, you know, commit violence and also vote for a reality show host for president. It's kind of like, oh, my God, you're not thinking straight if you really think your suburb is going to be attacked by a velociraptor because you watched a movie. That was the end of a Jurassic Park movie. So I could imagine. Yeah. 
and, some and that's Fox the thing. News viewer that, thinking, oh, I got to set up traps right. now. That's the thing. They don't know that. And I guess by definition, because, you know, us young generations are so god awful. We don't know that. So what do we do? We have fun with it. We double down. We uh, we make the best out of a bad situation. We tell our conspiratorial neighbors. Yeah. Dude, no, you're, you're there's some weight to what you're saying, Jim Bob or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I'm assuming it's kind of a hick name. But yeah, dude, you know, give it a try. See how it goes. I, I once let me put it to you this way, and this will be sort of the uh, um, unless you had anything further to say, that would be sort of the end of the discussion. But I used to work at a supermarket and mm-hmm. there would be this guy that came in every now and then, um, you know, I, I guess for context, I would be outside pushing carts. Mm hmm. And he would uh, occasionally come in and buy, he would always buy sort of like this quarter pint of ice cream every single night. And he would eat it in his van Mm. in the parking lot. Strange, you know, odd mannerisms. You could tell that he probably did a lot of drugs in his heyday, but he was nice enough. But... He was of the belief that the Earth was under this, you know, supreme underground Illuminati-esque rule. That was sort of like the vibe that I got from it. And Mm -hmm. I'm looking at this and I'm just like, okay, obviously, no, it's not. (laughs) But he was nice enough to talk to to the point where it's like I I couldn't just ignore this guy. And plus, it's not within my job responsibilities to ignore this guy. So I didn't really Mm -hmm. have a choice. It eventually got down to the point where, ironically, this annoyance turned out to be more so of a friendship. And I started talking with him. I didn't agree with what he had to say, obviously, but it was, you know, nice to catch up with him. And he said something to the to the tune of like. Oh, like the Earth was like. Such and such shape or whatever. It wasn't like so much flat as it was like, oh, you know, like the. They're 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 constructing like this new earth, whatever. And I just had it this one day. So I'm like, no, no. Like, didn't you hear? And he's like, hear what? I'm like, you know, like the various mountain ridges around the planet, right? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, scientists have done the math. I said it just like this, too. (laughs) Scientists have done the math and these particular points on the planet they sort of mm-hmm. point out in different directions, right? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, every single ground that we step on, it's flat, right? You know, you could you could see the horizon, but, you know, that doesn't necessarily determine that we're on a curve, right? And I'm like, of fucking course it does. But, you know, he's eating <laughs> it up. So I'm like, I got to continually double down on it. So, and the kicker was that, so... These scientists are proposing a new cubed Earth theory. Did you know about this? And he's like, no, no, I didn't. I heard about the flat Earth theory. And I'm like, well, there you go. It satisfies both parties because one's three dimensional. One isn't. So who's to say that it's a, that it's not a cube, right? And and we sort of go back and forth and we laugh about it again. I, I think he walked away believing it. And that's all I wanted, really, was for him to just be like, yeah, no, that's exactly right. And Uh, see, I knew 
regardless of the job that I had, you know, because obviously that's that was a temporary gig and I had it um, from high school. I knew that I wasn't going to change this man's mind. I knew it in my heart and I knew it probably up until the day he dies that he's going to be set in his ways. Mm-hmm. So I try. And it's not a danger to his health. It's not a danger to public safety. This guy doesn't have a, a social media platform to stand on. I'd venture to guess as sad as it sounds that most likely he just wanted an ear to bend. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why not talk to him? Um, you know, it, it's not, it's not doing anything but fulfilling the basic humanitarian need of just having a conversation. So at that point, why not say whatever you want? Um, you could argue that that's probably dangerous, that the only heads we should be filling with, that the only knowledge we should be filling heads with is the right information. Though at the same time, if nobody's going to listen to the right information anyway, I'm not going to be the judge, jury, and executioner to force that. So, yeah, I, I, I think like to, to some think of it is sort of a nice way to put it as well, because mm-hmm. it's again, there's few, if any, people that listen to individuals who spout conspiracy theories. I think a lot of people more than not just tune it out. And maybe these people are looking for someone to listen. You know, who knows? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. But all I know is that should that happen, I, I'd like to be that person to to, to be there to, to at least listen to a point of like occupying time, because I think it mm-hmm. comes full circle. A lot of what these people end up doing when they fulfilled everything that they've wanted to fulfill in their life is essentially occupy time. Mm-hmm. So why not just do that and think of it like that? You're not doing a political or social service by attempting to convince others. So I simply don't try to, if it ends up turning that, if it, en- if the conversation ends up turning in that way. Right. Well, and I think too, you, you know, I'll put it this way. Like, I, I've had... I can't say it was all too similar to this encounter you had with this gentleman, but I've, they're, they're, they're certainly akin to this interaction where, you know, you think to yourself, okay, where can you find a nugget of truth where you can turn around and give them something that is going to appeal to their confirmation bias, but... You know, in my case, I'm not like turning around on any principles of mine or I'm not saying something that's going to out me as some whatever, you know, whatever they may think of me politically. And and this is something I've had to do many times professionally because, you know, there is only so much I can say when I'm out in the field interviewing people. And, you know, especially if I'm dealing with individuals that are very hostile to the press at times, you know, sometimes you have to say something that, again, it doesn't violate your professional skills, nor does it violate, or at least nor nor are you violating who you are as an individual whatsoever. But at the same time, you kind of think, well, I got to give them something. And right. even if it's just stating a fact, like, I'll get political for a second, but, you know, if you're stating the fact that Biden's approval rating is as low as it is, 
you know what? If it makes the other individual happy to hear that, fine. It's not my business whether it's it's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, it is a bad thing. It's that's that's ooh. But if that individual like hears me talk, bring it up in discussion, talking about it within the context of whatever it is, you know, the local election, for example, then they can do with it whatever they want. And they can think of me as just somebody that provided a little extra bit of time and information for them. And they go on their merry way. I go on my way and I don't have a Trump hat lopping my head off like, uh, you know, what odd job from James Bond did. And uh, I think it was in Goldfinger. He had the hat that he threw and it cut the statue's head off. I don't have a MAGA hat, MAGA hat uh, beheading me. So, hey, I'm walking away and I'm walking to my car and I get to go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, if, if it means going into confirmation bias and you're just telling the truth, fine. Won't kill you. So. Right. But, um, and I, you know, I'll just mention this last thing. I, I've had to do that with the one crazy neighbor of mine. You know, I, obviously I won't fall for every little dumb thing he says and nor will i engage him on everything he says but i'll be up front with him and what he agrees on he agrees on and anything else he's gotta he's gotta ask questions if he wants more information so it's it's as simple as that i'm i'm not gonna turn it around and turn it into a vidal buckley debate those days are over man (laughs) (laughs) and besides uh, to wrap this up, you know, they can worry all they want. Neighbors, they can think about all oh, the, the hordes of terrorists and gangsters and, you know, armed teenagers. What You know, whatever, whatever Frank Miller pipe dreams that they have that, you know, looks like something out of RoboCop 2 or Sin City. The rest of us can just sit back, open up the window get a tan, maybe have some iced tea, and just think to ourselves, to quote the late, great Louis Armstrong, we have all the time in the world. You've been listening to Mars on Life. Look up our show on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Mars on Life Show and give us a follow. Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show wherever podcasts are found, including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Erberich, while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. Once again, I am Ryan Mancini, and my co-host, as always, is Sebastian Shug. If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars. (laughs) 